What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. <laughs> what, that was? I did it like as good as you would do it. Watch, I bet yours is just as bad. Welcome back to another Top 10 Tuesdays with Bearded B-Roll. Today we're going to be talking about the Top 10 80s catchphrases. You did it in the same demeanor, just faster. Do you want to start with your number 10? The number 10 that I picked isn't so much that it's something that I use a bunch, but it's iconic and it'll be, I'll be back from Terminator in 1984. <laughs> it's not really anything to say. Everybody knows that one. They, hey, they used it in Encino Man. And Scream. Well, that yeah, that's I'll be right back though. And that was a totally different connotation. That wasn't meant to be badass. That was like a sacrificial lamb kind of like. No, because when Matthew Lillard's character says it, he says, I'll be right back. I mean, it's still not in the right context, but I mean. Well, yeah, but that's also because he's like a fucking, he's Stu. Um, I actually do have that one on my list too, but I, I didn't make the list according to like ones I actually use. They were just according to like my. Uh, I used it based off like how often I use it or nostalgia. Yeah, I based it more on nostalgia and like when I'm watching a movie, I'm like, yeah, that person just said that thing that they said, you know, and it's exciting. I also don't think I understand the difference between funny quotes and uh, catchphrases. Well, I mean, catchphrases, one-liners, phrases, it doesn't have to be like necessarily like a take my life, please kind of joke. Because you were one of those people that the other day you were like, that's not a catchphrase. But then again, I'm like, you never actually follow your own rules. And I was like, how dare you tell me that's not a catchphrase? Or that early 90s don't count as the 80s. Well, if we're talking about film, we have to stick with like release year, I think, even rather than production year. But I think for this, like for our purposes in this activity, I would say catchphrase can constitute anything that would be like, if there was an action figure made of this character, something that would be programmed in it for it to say. I'll be back would definitely be programmed into a Terminator toy. What's your number 10? My number 10 is be afraid, be very afraid. I know it's not like super fantastic, but it was a good line from uh, The Fly from 1986. Uh, Gina Davis said it, and it was there was a weird situation where he brought some like skanky girl from the bar back to his apartment to like have weird fly sex with her. And then his other girlfriend showed up and told the other girl, be afraid. Does he like flick out like his little, uh, what's the thing? That flies and like butterflies have that they protuberance. No, the little little spirally tongue. Everyone's oh. Well, no, it, it's not at that point yet. He's in transformation for the majority of the film. I don't remember anything about that movie. You bring it up a lot, and I think I saw it like once. Oh, it's one of my favorite special effects movies from the eighties. It's David Cronenberg, and it's just it was like a remake, but it was also kind of like a reboot because it's it's based on the concept of like the fly with Vincent Price and all that. But it's a completely different retelling of it. Wait, there's a f- version of The Fly that involves Vincent Price? Yeah, I think it's from, I want to say like 59. They imitated it in an episode of The Simpsons, specifically this, this version. I also had to take special like care to not just quote villains and horror movies. 1958. For this. Because like, all of those had things except for like Michael Myers and Jason. Yeah, Michael Myers never actually said anything and... Even as a little boy, I don't think Jason said anything, did he? No, but Freddy and... uh, Freddy wouldn't shut the fuck up. He had lots. I was like, I can't choose these, and I didn't take one then. 
Well, that was the thing with Freddy. He said so much shit that he didn't really have like a catchphrase. It was always something different. No, but everything he said was a one-liner. Barely actually said anything that like built up any character. Nah. What's your number nine? All right, my number nine is As You Wish from The Princess Bride, 1987. That's the one you picked from The Princess Bride? I say it kind of often. Yeah, that's the one I picked from. I'm not just going to sit here yelling like, inconceivable. But As You Wish, I think, was the... Because he kept saying it to her, like, all the time. And then there was that really over-the-top scene where she pushes him down a hill, like, years later, when she thinks that he's, like, the, you know, evil, the Dread Pirate Roberts that murdered Wesley. And she pushes him down a hill, and he's, like, falling down the hill dramatically, yelling, As you wish! And then she goes, Oh my god, Wesley! And then for some reason, instead of just running down the hill, she, like, hurls herself down the hill and falls down just as like aggressively and violently as he did till like she reaches the bottom of the hill i mean it, it wasn't like a canyon she could have walked or Dude, run that's that's shakespeare bro that's just shakespeare i not i'm not gonna lie my big disappointment with saw was the fact that carrie never said as you wish in that movie that is like the least quotable line from the movie just because anybody could just say as you wish when you're like that's just a response to a question he was saying as you wish, but what he meant was, I love you. So instead of saying I love you to people, you just say as you wish? It's great. Sometimes, yeah. I'm going to do that from now on. It's going to sound so dickish, too. Someone's going to be like, I love you, but like, as you wish. Your kids are going to be so confused. <laughs> <laughs> you can love me if that's what you wish to do, and then just like move on. Great, my kids are going to hate me more. It wasn't meant to be dickish when he said it. When he said it, it was because he was working on her farm and he was just like kind of, um, no, I can't even think of it, showing deference maybe to her and her like position above him in feudal society. Yeah, he was very different to her opinions. You're saying difference? I said indifferent. I said deference. Yeah, indifference. Indifferent. Same thing. Deference means like respect. This is going to be such a boring episode with you, sick, and me just like, it's <laughs> great well i'll try to the lack of levity is actually going to make it funnier it's so deadpan and then we're like having conversations about <laughs> like funny things but we're saying it in such a way that's not funny or declaring how it would be funny so like, what's yeah, your number what's like, your number nine bitch <laughs> we have such sights to show you from hellraiser oh i forgot about that one it's like probably the best one that he uses I mean, I wanted to use one of the ones about how, like, pain was pleasure and stuff, but I was like, nah, this is, like, the one that was, like, that showed, like, Pinhead was a masochist and also, like, this well-spoken, say, crazy monster. Are you sure? Because my favorite Hellraiser quote was from Hellraiser 2. It was when he says, your suffering will be legendary even in hell. I mean, that's a good one, too. There's a lot of good ones. There's also, like, 900 of these movies. I like how I like how this this immortal demon can like age and get fatter over the years. Only the first two really count, I think. You think? Which is the one? The first one is the one where they're trapped in the house. That one's like pretty okay. But I think I like the second one better too. That's the one where it's like the girl running around the streets and they're just kind of like slowly chasing her a lot, right? No, no, that's the third one. The second one is the one where it's like it takes place like right after the first one where Christy is put in like a mental hospital and there's also a girl there who's really good at doing puzzles with her hands and this the main doctor that runs the facility is like super into the occult and he wants to try to use this girl to like open the box because he wants to find the secrets of eternity and whatnot 
I think it's funny just how many people know about this secret box. And they also know how terrible it is, and they're like, I'm going to open this anyway. Yeah, I don't think there's a story of anybody like that benefited from having opened it. If you go off what the lore is of like the like these people being like huge sadists and masochists, then apparently getting your dick split open and your skin ripped off for them is like the most pleasurable thing they can go through. Yo, what about the quote from the first one where the girl's uncle, I can't remember his name, like the main Frank. Frank, Uncle Frank. He was wearing the dad's skin and Christy had just like struck a deal with the um, Cenobites to take him back. And he, sh- he gets attacked by all the hooks from different angles and his face is like about to be ripped apart. He's covered in blood and he says, Jesus wept and then licks his lips and then he like explodes. Because that's just like, I feel like there's more things that have used that than just Hellraiser. You mean like the Bible? Yeah. What are we on? We're on your number eight. My number eight. Hmm. That's not a knife. This is a knife. Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee. Dundee. This was another one that I picked more for like nostalgia or like for like uh, the fact that like people, everybody knows it. Cause I only yep. think I've seen this movie like a small number of times and it was like weird time in my life. Like I was older when I finally saw it. I think it was right after the new one came out in like early 2000, late nineties. That was the third one, right? Whatever that one was. Yeah. I haven't seen Crocodile Dundee in like a long time, but the only thing I remember aside from the night thing is like something that was pretty, it was like homophobic in my memory. I feel like he was in a bar and a transvestite hit on him. And then he grabbed the crotch and said, you're not a real woman or something. (laughs) One, I don't think you can use the word transvestite anymore. What's the appropriate word? Trans person. I feel like transvestite's still appropriate, but I feel like that's more... I haven't like, heard anybody use it any time recently. Well, I think transvestites refers to specifically cross-dressing, so that might not have been the best way to refer to that. That's drag. No, but vest. Right. Vestido let's, mean... Let's, let's not fight about the word okay. transvestite. <laughs> it's unnecessary. <laughs> I like it. On this episode of Bearded Bureau, we discuss what is a transvestite. Watch us offend the entire LGBTQ plus community. What's your number, whatever, we're on seven? Eight, bro. My number eight. eight. And my number eight is one of my favorite lines from Heather's 1987. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. I believe Heather Chandler said it. That's hot. I just like it because when I think about it, it gives me the most ridiculous visual image in my head. Basically of somebody like trying to fuck someone gently with a chainsaw. And it's just not working like at all. No, see, what you do is you take off the blades, you wrap it in some kind of, like, latex skin, and then it's very wide, so you're going to have to gently shove that into the person, and then just start revving it, and I think that would, I think it would work. I think it, the vibrations would be good. I feel it's like your end result would be... just a matter of stretching enough and hoping that whatever runs the chainsaw doesn't catch the rubber and mutilate the person inside. I'm just envisioning a lot of chafing and burning. I don't... No, no, no. Vibrations. Oh, man. That guy in Butt Boy, he didn't put a chainsaw in his butt. He put people in his butt. I don't think you need to put a chainsaw on your butt if you have, like, a whole grown-ass man in there and two children. Yeah. All right. It's my number seven, right? You're number seven. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. 
Britney Spears movie, right? You know what it's actually from, right? Mm, no. RoboCop, man, 1987. Dude, I haven't seen RoboCop since I was a child, and apparently that's not a good time to have seen it. It's a great... It's, when it's I was not a like kid, a, I did not know it wasn't for kids. No, no, it's absolutely not for kids. But the problem is they made action figures and shit for it, so it, it was marketed to kids even though they couldn't watch it. Again, my parents did not care. I definitely watched it. Fair enough. But it's 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 a good catchphrase. It's actually kind of an important part of the plot because when he says it as a human before he gets like roboed out, and then later when he says it again as a RoboCop, one of the people who had killed him in the first place was like, wait a minute, I know that guy. So it kind of <laughs> led to that. But it's not one that's like used as often or it doesn't really have like, it doesn't have a place in society usually where it's okay to say something like that to someone. Just say it all the time, dude. What are you talking about? Hmm. Hey, what's up? I think is, the most... What is the line that you just said? Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yeah, man, you just like, all right, so what you do is you're like going to a friend's house. You're like, he's all like pissing and crying in his pants because like his partner broke up with him. And you're just like, dead or alive, you're coming with me. And then he's like, I'm not coming. And then you murder him. You drag his body out and you take it to the strip club. I thought you were going to do something about mutual masturbation, but this works too. It's weird is how much I was thinking about that earlier today related to something else I watched. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just a bunch of dudes jerking each other off. Showing their friendship. What about you? What's your number seven? Party on, dudes. From Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This is definitely something I've said, but I never say the be excellent to each other part, but most people don't. There's a lot from Bill and Ted that I wanted to use, but like, I don't know. I felt like that was the most iconic one. Really? Because the one that comes to mind for me is 69, dude. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. That one's like a dumb one, but I it's actually, like... Ironically, I do, do the, I do do the 69 one like a lot, like regularly, like whatever the number comes up for anything. I don't know why I do do that one. Yeah, right? I don't know, man. I was having a hard time with this one because I was trying to be... <laughs> I was trying to be so specific because unlike you, I follow the directions a little bit too much, I think. So I'm like, that was probably more their catchphrase than just something that they said a few times in the movie. Because they say party on like throughout all of the movies a lot of times. Although I haven't seen the new one. Have you? I did. Is it bad? I could understand why people hated it, but like enjoying the first two Bill and Ted's and like just liking Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves on their own, I actually enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Once again, more movies that really weren't for children. I didn't realize that until I was like a teenager, but those were like my favorite movies when I was like a kid, like eight or nine. Well, this one's kind of a classic case of like marketed to the generation of people who liked the first ones because so on its own. Friendly? Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's not that it's not kid friendly. It's just that it's like a weird ass fucking movie. And a lot of the jokes are just about Bill and Ted getting older and they keep like going you think into the future to find out where they fucked up their relationships and they keep seeing like terrible versions of themselves yeah but isn't that like the main point of like uh this bill and ted's bogus journey They're trying to fix something that they fucked up from the first one well, that's when they they died though yeah dude yeah duh no they didn't have the to fix anything yeah but that wasn't in the first movie the first movie was just them trying to pass their history class I really wanted to do the one about having like an edible complex. Because you know how like um when he's getting Bill has like, like an obsession with his stepmom. <laughs> and, the other, 
<laughs> and uh Ted's just like, that's your mom, dude. But like she's the same age as them. Yeah, Missy. Well she yeah, she was like a grade or two ahead of them in high school. Yeah. <laughs> but they went to school together. Or what about your dad's going for it in your room? Shut up, Ted. I mean, honestly, as a catchphrase, you really could have just been Bill Theodore whatever Esquire. Because their names themselves were just like ridiculously long. It's not Bill Those Theodore. Were oh no, that's Theodore. That's Ted. What is it? Bill Theodore S. Preston, Preston Esquire. That's what it was. Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan are wild stallions. Or a good phrase from that is actually George Carlin at the end where he gives them the new instruments and they play, but they're really shitty. And he looks at the camera and goes, they get better. <laughs> What's your number seven? That's what we're on, right? That was your number seven, wasn't it? Sure. My number six is we can just skip right over it. I put I'll be back. Um, I think it's a classic 80s line imitated all the time, but it's kind of played out. So that's why it's not higher up on my list. You say it and you just sound like a tool. <laughs> so now we're on five, right? We're on my number five. And my number five, you're probably going to disagree with it. Uh, it's from The Thing, 1982, the John Carpenter remake. And I love it because it's sort of like the anti-one-liner. You know, this, in the 80s were, and this is obviously at the beginning of the 80s, but the 80s were all about saying cheesy shit. I actually, one that I left off my list was from Commando, where he's like holding this guy off of a cliff and then drops him. And then later he goes back to Ray Don Chong and she's like, what happened to whatever his name was? And he's like, I had to let him go. But this one in The Thing is like an anti-one-liner. It's at the end of the movie, like The Thing is like turned into this giant amalgamation of like alien. It's like popping up out of the ground and Kurt Russell's like standing there with a handful of dynamite. And The Thing jumps up, it pops out of the ground and it's like roaring at him. And he goes, yeah, fuck you too. And throws a dynamite at it. And like, then everything explodes. But it was just like his lack of saying something clever was what made it stand out to me. Fuck you too. And it was just so appropriate. In every oh, yeah, fuck you too is pretty much a one-liner. I've used that one. I mean, not from the movie, just in general to people all the time. Do you not remember it from the thing though? Uh, it's been so long since I've watched the thing, and the last time I watched the thing, it was the the newer remake one, and I remember not caring that much about that one. Yeah, it was kind of boring to watch. It was more or less just like a like a rehash of this one, even though they tried to make it like it was a prequel. I was more focused on the jalapeno poppers I was eating when I was watching it. So anyway, it would have been a perfect time for him to like throw the dynamite and say something like, time to take out the trash or whatever, but no, just fuck you. Why would you say that? That'd be dumb. Don't you remember Silent Night, Deadly Night 2? The guy's like on a rampage walking around shooting people, trying to say something clever, and there's like a guy taking his garbage out to the curb, and he goes, garbage day, and then shoots him. <laughs> no, I don't remember that, but that's awesome. It was the dumbest line, too. It was like he couldn't think of anything better than that. I should have put that on the list. You should have, because that's perfect. I love that. I'm going to go watch that movie just to watch that now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, what about you? What's your number five? Wax on, wax off. Oh, karate, karate Kid, 1984. Kid. It's because this one is literally, everybody knows this, whether you're like, even if you have never seen the movies, you know this line. Especially now that um, like that new, the new show's out, Cobra Kai. 
Oh, right, right. And it like brought it all back because they did the whole wax on wax off thing in that too. But now it's it's Danielson doing it. Yeah, I have a karate kid on my list, but not yet. Not that one. No, no, not not that one. What is what is more iconic than wax on wax off? Like we'll, literally we'll get you, there. Nobody, I don't even think you ever I don't think I've ever said it while anybody was waxing anything either. It's just like someone's like doing some dumb, tedious thing and they're like rubbing on it, be like, hey, wax on. So, and then you just show them. Yeah, but if they're like on their hands and knees, you have to say sand the floor. <laughs> nope. Like if they're scrubbing a carpet or something. Okay, um, so we're on my number four, right? It's my number four, I thought. Um, Kill your brother, you'll feel better from the Lost Boys. Okay. Right, because I don't remember who said Was it Corey Feldman that says it to Corey Hay? Yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's one of the comic book brother guys, but I'm pretty sure it's Corey Feldman. So do his brother, because it's like they're trying to that one actually has a lot of great lines just because a lot of it revolves around telling this guy to kill his brother. I feel like I want to use that now in my house, but I feel like one of my kids might take it way too literal. And then I'll try to like frame it on the other ones. He like pokes one of them in the eye and I'm like, kill your brother, you'll feel better. And then I have to explain to Amanda why there's blood everywhere. What was the name of the city they lived in? Was it Santa Clara? Yeah, some made up one. The grandfather at the very end like comes back to the house and there's like dead vampires everywhere. Right. And he just comes into the house. He sees like everything's wrecked and he like, doesn't react. He doesn't react to anything. Do you remember this? He walks in and grabs like a beer from the fridge and everybody's like standing there waiting for him to react to the fact that they destroyed his house. And he was like, you know, I love living in Santa Clara, but it's all the damn vampires. And then like the movie's (laughs) over. That's like, you could have warned them about this at like any point. Well, I mean, well, yeah, I guess you should warn your family if you know that there's vampires, but it was like not that weird even to like the, I don't, what are their names? Like the brothers, whatever. Well, they the were brother, like, yeah, vampires, man, let's go kill those. The other one was, oh, the Frog Brothers. That's what it was. But then they're like, they did like, although they did do like the classic thing like they did with um, Fright Night, where like the experts are not experts. Yeah, that's true, actually. Well, they they read a lot of comic books, but they... They believed in vampires, right? They knew they were real because yeah, they like yeah. That's that was their whole thing. They were like, yeah, you got to do the silver test. That town had a lot of missing people in it. It had the most in the country, or whatever. And it was the murder capital of the world. At least that's what one of the back of one of the billboards said when they were driving in. Which is impossible because I think in the eighties New York was. I think it was Camden for a little while, too. It's on the t- it's a it's high on the list. So is it my number four now? It's your number four. All right, this is my number four. It's probably one of my favorite lines, but it's just kind of long-winded. Technically, it's a two-liner, but it's the best part of this movie, and I apologize if it was on your list. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. It is not on my list. That was... That was They Live. That's what it is. 1988, the late, great Rowdy Rowdy Piper. It's a John Carpenter movie. Movies like that always made me really want, like... The, the the see-through spectacle things that they would advertise in like comic books and stuff. And then <laughs> if you ever got them, it didn't do anything. <laughs> Not even like, they weren't even like colored lenses that would like trick you. It was literally just glasses with holes in them. I loved the way they did that in this movie though. It was like they put on these sunglasses and the weirdest thing about it wasn't the fact that some of the people were aliens. It was like the random like super liminal shit that was on do you remember any of that? Like when he Yeah, like the subliminal thing messages and like billboards and crap. 
or he like looks at a, a dollar and instead of like, you know, seeing a dollar, he sees like a rectangular sheet of white paper that says, this is your God, or like a poster of like a man and a woman on a beach in like a tropical island. But like, he looks at it with the glasses on and it's just a white sign that says marry and procreate. But that was, that was one of my favorite lines in that movie. That movie itself wasn't like super great. It was more like, I love the concept, but that part was good. Well, I mean, that line in general is also one of those ones that's super iconic that has been like used in like a lot of other movies and TV shows. And I don't think a lot of people know. Like the original. Yeah. Yeah, because the movie itself, it's not like definitely not one of John Carpenter's like best known or like highest grossing films. But I mean, it's. Yeah, it's not like Vampires with Bon Jovi. That's not even the first one. That was like Vampires 2. I know. The first one had, um, what's his face? Who's in like everything in that time? James Woods. James Woods and no, the other dude too. Oh fuck. I'm so bad at this. Like the moment we record, I forget everything I know about movies. Michael Madsen. Michael Madsen wasn't in that. You're getting him confused with one of the Baldwins. That's probably what it is then. It was Daniel Baldwin, I think. But I actually I tried to rewatch that movie recently, and it was not nearly as badass as I remembered it being when I was like thirteen. <laughs> or however old I was when I saw that. Like it was actually really cheesy and kind of immature to watch it like now. I'm like, oh, these guys are douchebags basically <laughs> I just remember they kept like the priest being like one of the most badass ones but it didn't show up he didn't do anything till like the end they kept talking about their erections in a weird way though remember that like he kept trying to like see if like killing vampires would get the priest hard he's like you got any uh, wood going on down there you got mahogany i do not remember that no he kept like phrasing it in like different my like eight year old brain probably didn't like really like understand what that meant i don't yeah i i don't it was bad. It was I couldn't even get all the way through it this time. I was, you didn't finish it now? Oh no. That's not good. I mean I know how it ends, but like terrible sales pitch. <laughs> well, that wasn't one of the movies I was originally even talking about. We were talking about They Live, which I would recommend. Okay. So are we on my number three or your number your four? Number three. Alright, my number three is the best line from The Karate Kid from 1984, starring uh, Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita, directed by John G. Evelson, which is why it's so similar to Rocky. It's basically the same plot, had the same director. This is the best line in Karate Kid. I don't care what you're waxing off or painting or sanding or... Anyway. Get him a body bag! That is my favorite line from Karate Kid, and I say it all the time. I want to have a t-shirt of that phrase with that guy's face on it just saying that he actually died in 2019 from like kidney and liver failure or something it's pretty sad uh he's only like 59 was that the one that died on the cobra kai show maybe rob garrison was the uh, actor's probably. name he played tommy they, that's probably the one they because they did a whole thing that the one guy died from cancer it would make sense that they would do it to one that was actually dying hmm. well yes i mean it wasn't like a sudden thing he had like been sick but anyway we can credit him with one of the most iconic lines in 80s history because him yelling that is like my favorite part of that movie. It's almost up there with like sweep the leg. Most iconic lines in all of 80s movie history is get him a body bag. One of them. Yeah. I don't think so. Also, the 80s were kind of a low period in like cinema history. I'm pretty sure most people would say wax on wax off over that one, but. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot them. more situations where it's applicable to say get him a body bag than it is to say wax on, wax off. Yeah, like you watch a murder happen, get him a body bag. You watch someone have a heart attack and die, get him a body bag. You watch paramedics fail at resuscitating somebody, get him a body bag. 
let's say a kid falls off the jungle gym and you're in the park walking around and you see him and you go, get him a body bag. Nah, man, you say you got knocked the fuck out. <laughs> what if he's not unconscious? Who gives a shit? I used to say that all the time. It didn't matter if they were unconscious. You didn't even sound like Chris Tucker, though, so it didn't do it for me. Because you know what? I'm not Chris Tucker, so. Right. You don't have to be Chris Walken to do a Christopher Walken like imitation. You don't have to be Gollum to do a Gollum voice. I think. Shut up. What are we on? What's happening? It's your turn to do your number three. Why worry? Each one of us is carrying an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. Really? You got to go with Ghostbusters? Yeah, man. Ghostbusters. Is that really the best one in Ghostbusters? Bill Murray. Like, I don't know. I think the way Bill Murray delivers it's great. What about when, Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Nah. I'm not going to lie. I didn't really like the Ghostbusters as much as everybody else does. Wow. What's your number two, Grandma? <sighs> Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's the best line from Princess Bride. Anything that Inigo Montoya says is the best line from Princess Bride. My favorite part of that movie is when he waits for Wesley to climb up the cliff. And then they have like a very polite conversation about how I'm not going to kill you till you like rest up enough to fight your best. It was, it was the most polite sword fight. It was fantastic. I mean, the conversations in that movie are great all over. I think my favorite is the one about who's the smartest man when they're doing like the poison cup challenge. But like, that's not like a one liner. That's just, the, that's a whole ass conversation. That'd be a lot to quote. What about the one where Wesley's like choking out Andre the Giant and he's like, well, usually I fight mobs of people, so this is a little different than fighting one person. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it must be quite difficult for you then to be fighting one person as he's like strangling. <laughs> and he's like, yes, it is. And then he passes out. Like, it was, I don't know. Everything about it is just so conversational. It's that same like deadpan style humor we were talking about the other day with Buck Boy, but more intelligent. Is that Mel Brooks? No, because I don't really like Mel Brooks movies. I think. Usually, they're, I, I, I don't know. I find his, I, it's like fart jokes. It's like fart jokes. Yeah. It's like you think it's funny but when you're 10. Good fart jokes. I don't know. But no, it was, wasn't it like Rob Reiner was the director of uh, that sounds right. Princess yeah. Bride? Yeah. My number two is from a lesser known movie from the 80s, but it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's from 1986. It's Night of the Creeps. And the uh, quote is, thrill me which is totally one that you can use all the time, every day. And it was said by Tom Atkins pretty much any time anybody interacted with him in the entire movie. So you pick your quotes are like just literally like things that anybody could say. This was a great one because he said it at normal points during the movie. Like somebody would be like, hey, detective, you have to see this. And he'd be like, thrill me. Or he gets a phone call, <laughs> thrill me. But then at the end, he's like fighting this giant mass of the creeps, which are like these intergalactic slugs or whatever. And he's got like a Okay, good. That's what I was thinking this was, and I was, like, hoping I wasn't crazy. Yeah, yeah, and he's got, like, a flamethrower on him, and he's just, like, thrill me, and, like, blows up the house or whatever. Like, it was just, it was badass. Okay. That works. Because he used it in, like, every context that it fit, and it's one that you can use, like, to your kids. Like, daddy, daddy, come look at this. Yeah, thrill me. <laughs> yeah, just, just just shove them off and be like, yeah, not good enough. Like, you know you're going to try it. I mean, probably. So we have to remember to do our honorable mentions before the number one this time. I don't have any because all of mine were from the 90s, and I was wrong. Okay, cool. So my honorable mentions, I don't have, I don't really have a whole lot. Um, I have like two that I can go with. One would be Great Scott, you know, from every Back to the Future movie. Um, just because, I mean, you say that and you immediately know what it's from. That's like the number one quote Christopher Lloyd is. Super iconic one. Exactly. And then the other one is 
yippee ki motherfucker, from Die Hard. Why did you actually put that on your list? Well, I, I thought about it, but it, again, it doesn't, it's not one of those ones that like contextually makes sense. If I was like working on a dude ranch in Arizona or something, and somebody no, was like, what are you talking about? You could use it all the time. Like, you're getting on your motorcycle and you're going to go do wheelies and shit. yippee ki motherfucker. Or you're going to go to Subway and order a veggie patty. yippee ki motherfucker. Actually, that'd be funny as shit. <laughs> you go to Subway, you order some, like, just all whatever vegans order at Subway. And just, like, at the end, the guy hands it to you and you're just like, yippee ki motherfucker, and walk out. I feel like that's a funnier story to tell rather than like when it's actually happening. And it depends on the cashier. You might have somebody that had a really bad day and they're like, the fuck did you just say? Yeah, and then you just leave. It doesn't matter at that point. And then you say, I'll be back on your way out. (laughs) Just go in and order food using nothing but like lines from movies. I think that'd be great. Yeah, but I would like lose my shit if the cashier went as you wish. I wouldn't know. (laughs) You'd be like, I guess we're getting married now. You're the one. All right, so my number one. Oh, wait. I still got to said... do mine, even though they weren't from the ni- the 80s. Oh, right. Yeah, go ahead. Because the Sorry. film franchise started in the 80s. Well, actually, no, yeah. I thought Evil Dead 1 was in the 70s, but no, it wasn't like 80. Like 80. So when Ash says, hail to the king, baby, because I've used that, and I think that's one of the best lines in movie history, that would have been probably like my number one. When did you use that? Was it like a bedroom thing? No, I just use it all the time when I'm just trying to, like, be special. This is my boomstick. Use that all the time. I don't ever, I don't even have a shotgun, so it doesn't matter. I just say it, because it's fun to say. Is that also a bedroom thing? You could. You could. But I, 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 like, to, I like to quote um, classic uh, holiday movies when I do stuff like that. Like, here comes Peter Cottontail. I think the number one bedroom, like, catchphrase should be, thrill me. But... <laughs> That's just me, I guess. Yeah, that's how that's how your 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 person leaves and just doesn't come back. Like, what if they okay, say I'll be back? <laughs> well, then classically they're gonna die because if it's a horror movie and you say I'll be back, then you die. Then your girlfriend just gets in the car, drives away, and you hear your neighbor yelling, "Get him a body bag!" Yeah, I had another one. I forgot what it was. It was like one that I used more than the other two. But anyway, another Evil Dead. On one. to number one. Yeah, they're all Evil Dead. Evil Dead's like my favorite movie to quote. Ash is the best character ever. So my number one, rather than being just like, a, I have a quote, but it's more like the whole movie. It's my favorite 80s movie, hands down. I actually just bought it on Amazon because it was on sale for half price. And the phrase I'm going to go with is, it's all in the reflexes. Is that Trading Places? No, that movie was kind of funny. <laughs> you were like, going to say it was bad, and you're like, I got it. No, I thought about it. It's, it's got like, it's, it's kind of funny. That was, but no, it's uh, Big Trouble in Little China from 1986. Another John Carpenter one. I should have known you would have picked something from that movie, too. I love that movie, but it's got so many more. Like, it's all in the reflexes. Is actually after he, the character finally does something badass for, like, the first it's time. It's how modest some of these that you picked were, because that movie has, like, ridiculous ones. Well, I was going to say a couple more of them. Like, I drove my truck straight through him, Wang, because he does this weird, like, John Wayne-style impression kind of, like, the entire time. But then there's also that great scene where he's trying to rescue the people in the uh, like Lopan's underground bunker thing. And he goes to open the door and there's like an entire army of like Lopan's guys standing there. And he closes the door and turns around and goes, we may be trapped. Let's see. There's also, 
You stay here and keep the home fires burning. If we're not back by morning, call the president. She's just going to quote the whole movie now. Let's go. Let's just do it. Start from the beginning. Let's just hear you do the whole movie, all the dialogue. You know what old Jack Burton always says, don't you? Who's Jack Burton? Me. Um, <laughs> See, that would have been great. Because you can use that. You just replace your name from some of it. Or don't, and it's funnier that way. We really shook the pillars of heaven, didn't we, Wang? And may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. I think I'm good now. I think that's... You think you're good now? The Chinese have a lot of hells, Jack. I guess you're not. All right. (laughs) I said the whole movie. Just do the whole movie. (laughs) Start with the opening scene. Hey, I'm looking for an Asian girl with green eyes. Uh, (laughs) The the opening scene. I'll have to rewatch this movie. And then I can quote it scene for scene for like the next time. Yeah, dude. On our Patreon, listen to Mike read the script from Big Trouble in Little China. While drinking tea. Sure. Doing all the voices. I could have fun with that. Not, not, not going to lie. That would probably be like the greatest thing ever. Did you know Kurt Russell was sick during the filming of that movie? Really bad with the flu? And at one point <laughs> when his character's covered in sweat and everything, it's because he's like barely standing, which is actually why he's unconscious for some of the fight scenes instead of actually engaging in them. So it was like a comedic effect thing, but uh, born out of an actual purpose. And it ended up being better Unconscious? Like actually unconscious? No, no, no. There was a scene where he goes, all right, everybody listen up. And like shoots the ceiling above him. And then a giant piece of concrete falls down and knocks him out. And when he wakes up, the fight's over. Nice. What about you? What's your number one? <laughs> My number one is something that I use all the time. I don't care contextually if it makes sense, but especially if you really want to get control over somebody else, like somebody's like doing something and you're just looking at him. You're like, who runs barter town <laughs> from Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. What year was that? 1985. Haha, <laughs> it's in the thing. It is my favorite entire like conversation between people. And my favorite thing to do is to just sit there and do that to somebody until they say what I want them to say, which is, gets really weird if they've never seen the movie. Because if you just go, who runs Barter Town? And then they don't answer and you just keep asking it, they get really confused. But the answer is Master Blaster. Master Blaster runs Barter Town. How many times do people actually answer with what you... A lot of the times I say it to people that do know the movie, I do that on purpose, but sometimes I do it to, like, Amanda. Do you ever do it to somebody who was like, me, bitch? No, I'd be really mad at them. I'd be like, no, Master Blaster. <laughs> and then I'd crawl on their shoulders and be like, I'm Master, you're Blaster now, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. So we, we stayed on track for that, and we, uh, we did it, so... We did the thing! Thanks for joining us for another edition of Top 10 Tuesdays. And just remember, Master Blaster runs Barter Town. It's all in the reflexes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, BeardedBeeroll.com, for info and links to merch. And remember to email us with ideas and suggestions at BeardedBeeroll at gmail.com. I don't know, man. Favorite 80s porn star? Chris Kattan. Chris from, like, Saturday Night Live? Chuck Norris. Yeah, fuck you, too. See? Totally applicable.